Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. This is the Maliki Click Podcast, episode number four. What I want to kind of talk about today is a journey, unfortunately, that I had and a lot of others have, and that is the journey of extremism. You know, especially for American Muslims, it's quite common to just openly or like blindly trust whoever teaches us Islam. We we don't know any better. And so a lot of us went through uh, this process of just going through, well, you know, going to the library or a lot of us didn't really have a sheikh to sit down with and learn deen. So we're forced to go online and like I said before, we, we openly trust people because we don't know in the first place. So I think my first exposure to um, extremism happened, I think around 97 or 98, somewhere around there. Uh, one of my friends took me to a masjid and it was a new masjid that he was telling me, you, you gotta hear this guy speak. And uh, so, I went to this masjid and I heard a whole different khutbah, uh, but what happened after Juma was, I think, the first moment that kind of not radicalized me, but exposed me to an extremist kind of mentality. And so there was a guy selling tapes by Sheikh Faisal uh, outside of the masjid, and I bought about four and I brought them home and popped them in the cassette player. Yeah, I'm old, it was a cassette player. And uh, I just gave it a listen. And it was the first time that I heard words like takfir and khawarij and kafir and all of these type of things, you know, that were pretty much alien to me at that point in my deen. But you know, in my mind, in the mind of a lot of other converts, we think, well, this guy is a sheikh, he knows. Oh look, he's a graduated of uh, University of Muhammad bin Saud. So, again, as converts, we don't know, and so we say, okay, well, this must be Islam, because we don't have a lot of people around us in the first place telling us, no, 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 this is not Islam. Here's Islam over here. So I built up quite a collection of uh, cassettes by Sheikh Faisal, and that led me to a lot of other uh, shayukh that I sh- probably shouldn't have been listening to. Again, the disclaimer, I did not know, and a lot of other reverts don't know. I, I can't stress that more. We really don't know, and we really trust uh, and depend on people who do know so they could teach us our deen. And so I dove into the rhetoric just head first, and you know, I became this person that I probably shouldn't have become. And so it got me in a bit of trouble uh, here in the States uh, and, and rightfully so, you know, uh, raided by the FBI twice, uh, threatened with a lot of things. Um, and I got a lot of attention by the FBI and uh, other intel communities. And so I had this big idea in my mind to make Hejra to Egypt. So I made Hejra to Egypt and I landed in Cairo and uh, stayed the night there. Yeah, I stayed the night there and heard the Adhan for the first time in my life. And this was in 2005. And I heard the first Adhan and I'll never forget it. Uh, when I was in Cairo, the masjid was just two blocks away. 
And I remember hearing the adhan for the first time and just thinking, subhanAllah, I've, I've, I'm finally here, you know. I'm finally the majority. I'm around my people. And uh, so I, I just went to the Masjid for Fajr and I prayed it. And it's, I, I can't complain, you know. It was a wonderful experience. So that was just where I landed and I planned to live in Alexandria. So I took the bus next day, the next day, and uh, got an apartment in uh, Al-Asafra, uh, right, right, right by the Corniche. If there's Egyptians or people that lived in Egypt, you know exactly where I'm at, uh, where I stayed. So I got the apartment and I was just, just soaking it up. Oh, look at all these people, look at all these masjid. I'm hearing the adhan, uh, people have adab, you know, so on and so forth. And so I popped into, I really didn't plan to, but I popped into a, uh, uh, a, a uh, place of education. And I wanted to better my Arabic at the time, so I was looking into Arabic classes. And it just so happened that the director was there, and he looked at me and he asked me, Are you an American? And I said, Yes, I am an American. He said, Why are you here? I said, Well, I just came to look about, you know, check into some classes about Arabic. And he said, well, would you like to teach English here? And I said, no, 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 I'm not the one. You know, I'm, I'm not the teacher type. I don't have any of these, uh, like, certifications for TEFL or TESOL, whatever they call them. And he, he said, uh, well, is your passport blue? And I said, it sure is. Yep. And he said, well, you're qualified then. Come up to my office and let's talk some numbers. So, <laughs> I mean, five minutes later, I had a job. And uh, Alhamdulillah, I took it, and it was working part-time and making full-time money. Why not? My intention was to, to live there forever and spend my days there learning deen and just being a Muslim in a Muslim country. So months go past, and, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm still an ex I still have extremist ideas and I'm still online and I'm still talking to people and I still have this mindset, this misguided um, mindset. And so to make a long story short, um, in the middle of the night, it's about the 11th month, close to a year I had been in Egypt. And finally, I mean, I mean, who can blame them? The, the Egyptian government said, enough, this, this guy's, we gotta get this guy. So uh, about 10 o'clock at night, uh, get a knock on my door and I look through the peephole and it's the guys in the white uniforms with the black beret you know who that is, it's Shurta and with them was uh, Amandola so uh, they got into my house and they said you know who are you and you know do you speak Arabic and uh, what are you doing here in, uh, in Egypt and where do you work and this and that and they just went through the whole questions and I, I was cooperative you know and so um, finally, they searched the house, and after I'd say about 20 minutes, I asked the guy, you know, you, I've cooperated with you, I've answered all your questions, um, is there anything else? And he said, yes, you're actually arrested, you're going to have to come with us. And so I was, I was shocked, I mean, but in hindsight, I had it coming, right? I mean, you can't just talk like the way I was talking and not get the attention of, of uh, the intel community. It's natural. It's going to happen. So they led me downstairs. I'm in complete shock uh, because in my mind, this is a Muslim country. And you know, by default, it, 
it is, you know, but, you know. So anyways, uh, we got past the door, and I'm in cuffs, and we go through past my Bawab, my uh, my doorman, and he's just looking at me like, Ali, what's, what's happening? What the heck's going on? And so we go outside, and it's, I look to the left, and I look to the right, and it's like, if anybody's seen that movie, Devil's Advocate, where he goes out and nobody's in New York. I mean, the streets are just clear. That's kind of what happened. And everybody knows in Egypt that it's it's busy around the clock. You know, there's cars, there's honking, there's traffic. People walking and people on the beach and doing their, you know, whatever they do. And so uh, I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I saw that they had actually blocked off a block to the left and a block to the right. Uh, there was no block in front of us. It was... There was no intersection, so I just thought, wow, who, who do they really think that I am that they would block off the streets like that? And so uh, they took me to Alexandria, to a local jail, and just to add a little bit to the story, this was the 10th night, or the first of the 10 ninth nights of, uh, of Ramadan. And so I go in, uh, it's about midnight, they, they, they don't even put me in a cell, it's like a holding area. And they interrogate me about, uh, say, twice that night until 2 o'clock in the morning. And then they woke me up for uh, suhur and gave me suhur. And he's asking me the, the same questions. What, what are you doing? And this, I told him, actually, I'm here to make hijrah. This is where I would like to live, you know. And he just looked at me like, why? You're an American. Why would you want to move to a place like this? So, you know, we had our conversation, and uh, I would say around 10, oh man, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, I was told to get up, and we're, we're going to Cairo, and I said, I have a job, why, why would we go to Cairo, what's, what's going on, you, you said that you would release me if I cooperated, I've told you everything that I know, I'm really nobody, uh, but still they weren't buying it and so I was on a one of those uh, truck or vans enclosed dark color it smelled horrible and I had to stand up for three hours all the way from Alexandria to Cairo and I didn't know it at the time but I was going into an infamous prison called Al-Zughli and anybody that is Egyptian or you know they they know they know what Al-Zughli is so when they, they got me off of the truck, uh, I stepped down, and the first thing that I saw is an older gentleman uh, with a really old-style Israeli uh, Uzi, and he was just standing at a checkpoint, and we went through, and uh, he told he yelled at the guards to put his T-shirt over his, head, his, his face, put it over his face, and so uh, they did, and that had never happened to me before. I mean, I had been in prison for three years, and that's where I became Muslim. But uh, it was pretty humane, and I, I really wondered as to as to why they were putting my T-shirt over my face. And uh, this this is this is the the point where I really started to worry about what was happening or going to happen to me. And so, uh, what happened is, you know, basically every time that you go into you know, prison, you're, you're searched and, you know, you're, you're stripped of your clothes. And, and so they put me, uh, the first day 
cuffed to a some kind of a pipe on the low side of the wall and that's where I had to sleep and they didn't let me pray they didn't like make me uh, let me make wudu uh, they I couldn't go to the bathroom um, I was just I was just told to uh, to stay there and I was I did I developed a fever and I remember um, asking the guard you know uh, you know give me some water and I have a fever I'm hot and uh, the guard just told me plainly in Arabic then just die then go die we don't care that was another point where I thought whoa where is this gonna go and how far is it gonna go so they released me uh, into that cell and they put me in a group cell of about well, I'd say about 20 to 25 people. It was just a big room, and everybody had their beds on the floor, spread all out in a, in, in a certain way. And uh, people just looked at me, and they thought, buddy, who are you? You know, what, American? Are you an American? And all the questions, they came up to me, are you an American? Are you a Muslim? Ajib, and the Muslim. Subhanallah. Ya salam. And this and that, you know, they, they really couldn't believe it, you know. And uh, so, you know, that went on, you know, I, I, you know, went through the process of how I became a Muslim, probably told the story about 50 times. And um, then something really made a, a turn for the worst. And, and so uh, I was, I was interrogated. And I was brought up, and I was blindfolded and cuffed and stripped of my clothes. And uh, then I had my first um, taste of what a real interrogation was. And basically what happened was they asked me the same questions in different ways. And I was interrogated for about two hours. And they just beat the hell out of me. You know, they would slap the right side of my face and then... You know, I would retract, and then they would slap the left side of my face, and uh, you know, they they beat my body and hit me in my chest and my gut. Um, they were taking like sticks or canes or something like that and beating my 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 um, my legs and my shins, and uh, that that was really when I I knew that I was in trouble, and I didn't know if anybody knew where I was, and so it just continued like that. Um, day after day, um, humiliation, stress positions, being handcuffed behind, behind my back or between my legs and uh, to the floor, uh, what they call stress positions, and that's, that's the worst. Uh, I, I got beat until it was so painful that I passed out. I just, my body couldn't take it anymore. I shut down. Every time that, you know, I, I shouted out, Ya Allah, or recited Quran or dhikr, they told me to shut up. You're not a Muslim. Don't call Allah's name. Don't do anything. And I learned if 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 I called upon Allah, I got beat harder. And so I, I just called onto Allah until I was completely um, incapacitated and, and and went unconscious. What else could I do? So this went on and on and on. And uh, you know, I had a a friend of mine. His name is Abu Musab. And if you're listening, Abu Musab, you know who you are. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, I, I will definitely see you under the throne of the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because I love him for the sake of Allah. 
him and I were, were very close. And the first time that I was fed up, I said, wow, why is this happening to me? And he just, and he just smiled at me and he laughed at me. And I said, what are you laughing about? What, what's so funny about this? You know? And then he proceeded to pull up his shirt and show me all the electrical burns that he's had and the bruises. And he said, Ahi, you, you're suffering really nothing compared to the rest of us. And by the way, welcome to the school of Yusuf, in the same land of Yusuf, in the same place as Yusuf. So it, then I kind of, okay, yeah, I, I guess I'm really not getting it as bad as they are. And, and I wasn't. One day after a, a vigorous interrogation and, and beating, they, if anyone who has been tortured before, they, they would, anyone that hasn't been tortured, they, they won't know what I'm about to say. When, when, when your body is taken to limits of pain, you go blank, your, your mind goes blank, and you, you enter more of an animalistic state of mind. And so after that, I decided, they've, they've beat me for nine days. I'm fed up. I don't know if anybody knows where I am. I can't take this anymore. And if and I've already decided. And I said, you know, if and I told Abu Musab, I'm done. I'm through. If these people come through the door one more time to interrogate me, get ready. Watch the front door. You're going to see a hell of a show because I'm going to beat them. I'm going to do whatever I can do. I'm tired of this. I'm not going to get beat again. And so my last interrogation, uh, I wasn't beat at all. Uh, I was blindfolded and handcuffed to the chair as usual. And the interrogator told me, aren't you happy to be, that? aren't you happy that it's Eid? You know, do you want a cookie? And I said, no, I don't want anything from your hand. And uh, he took cookies and he just threw them at my face and laughed and everybody laughed at me and I was completely humiliated uh, but after that I went down and um, I would say about 45 minutes later the captain came down and said oh Mr. Ali uh, we want to apologize to you and uh, please can you wash your face and can you uh, have some here's some here's some new clothes and they're trying to make good. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want any clothes from you. I'm not going to do anything that you say. No, period. And so after that, I'd say about 10 minutes later, two people came from the American ambassador, uh, ambassador, uh, ambassador, embassy. That's the word, embassy. And uh, they looked at me and, and they looked at the uh, lieutenant that was there or the colonel, wherever he was, he was a brass and they told him, you have five minutes to, to release him and, and uh, release him to our custody. And it, boom, snap, and it happened. And I was out of there. Uh, first first stop was Al-Mugama. And I went there, and they, <laughs> they had the nerve to deport me for, I mean, what, what are you deporting me from? I, I, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't do any crime at all. Uh, but nonetheless, they... they uh, they deported me, and uh, I was shackled from my waist to my feet and led through Cairo International Airport in front of thousands of people looking at me like I was some criminal until I got onto the plane. And so, you know, long story short, my ordeal only lasted about 10 days. 
you know, a lot of people are still there. A lot of people are suffering. But my, my point is, and I really want to reach anybody that's listening to this, um, I can't say that I had it coming. Nobody deserves to be tortured and, and interrogated like that, you know. But all, any of the converts or born Muslims that are listening to this, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know what is the problem if you're angry or you feel marginalized in the world um, you feel that everybody is attacking Muslims and the only way to deal with these people is doing violence or terrorism or whatever I don't know your case it's a case-by-case basis but the thing that I can tell you is make sure that you learn your deen and that you stay away from extreme ideologies you really have to think it through twice and three times before whatever you need to make sure that your decisions is sound. So that's my story, you know, uh, that's, that's the short of it. Uh, a lot of details that I withheld, uh, but that's, that's basically my story. Um, I, I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rescues those that are still inside of the prisons. There's people inside for uh, not leaving after Fajr and reading the Quran. There's all type of people uh, in prisons in Egypt and throughout the Middle East and Muslim countries for really doing nothing but being a Muslim. Uh, sure, some of them are, um, are criminals and they have done crimes, but the majority of them are, I would say, political to the people that are extreme or to the people who think that groups like ISIS are okay for the Ummah. You know, brother, sister, Really, you need to think this this type of thing out first. You really need to research Deen, Aqidah, Tahawi, Sanusi, and, and choose a fiqh. A lot of people, the majority of terrorists, they're just angry people. That's what it is, period. They're just angry. They feel marginalized. They want to get back. They want to have revenge. You know, they're tired of seeing the Muslim Ummah lose all the time. But, you know, that doesn't give us permission to act like animals and terrorize people and kill people and bomb buildings and bomb this and bomb that. No, that's not our way and that's not the way the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I'm going to wrap it up right there. Jazakumallah khair for listening to my podcast. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.